The Grim Reader. Name the scale. No. Lydian. It's a Lydian, you dumb bitch. Stop calling me out. Okay. We have a music masters. We should know this shit, Becca. I've already been dragged a little bit before this. Yeah. Before we actually started recording. So like, I'm fragile. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bully. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. Um, Welcome back to the Grim Reader podcast, um, a podcast where we judge each other's books by the front cover and then do a little book review. Um, Yes. Yeah. I'm Rebecca. I'm Nikki. Yeah, because we're really bad at introducing ourselves. I kind of have lost track of like when we stopped. It it was for quite a while. Um, So... Yeah, I know people were just guessing between them. Imagine, do you know the way when you listen to like American podcast hosts and they're both from California, they sound the same for a couple of weeks? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Like I used to be able, the first time I listened to My Favourite Murder, which we always mention, yes. I couldn't tell Karen and Georgia apart. It was so frustrating because they never introduced themselves. They always forgot. Their voices are so I wonder, different though. They are now. When you first listen, they're both Valley Girl and they both got a vocal fry. Oh no, I could tell them, like, I could tell them apart. I was like, or oh. it dragged me like... <laughs> I wonder if there's like people that can't that. tell ours apart because if if you can't by now go get a hearing test because <laughs> I don't I don't think we're anywhere like we're, no we're not like especially when I'm recording I'm like or sorry not recording editing and I'm like is my voice that low like <laughs> is that what I actually sound like I uh, can't oh, like call my voice low or high because I move so much mm. <laughs> I'm constantly low and high. <laughs> I'm perpetually just down here. <laughs> a very, a very great, you know, depiction of my actual mood as well. <laughs> it's usually <laughs> down there too. Um, so yeah, sorry, you're hearing us ramble. Yes, before we even get to the rambling, because we do, believe it or not, we do pick things to talk about sometimes. And this week we both went to the fabulous. Now, we also did argue about the pronunciation of this right before we started recording. But I started the sentence, so I'm going to call it the court festival. It's it's court. See you, Father. I no, you said court a minute ago. I said court. Don't you dare. It's court festival. It's Irish. Um. <laughs> Which was a literary festival um, that was fab. Like it was all online. We were all in um, what do you call it? Virtual Clare, wasn't it meant to be in Clare? Thought it was Galway. May, a virtual Galway. That's it. <laughs> but it was fab. Um, uh, a lot of their uh, live streams that they did um, are now on YouTube, and I'm going to be going back and rewatching them because yeah. like some of them I did book in for, and I could watch it in real time. But uh, a lot of them, you know, work gets in the way. Yeah, and we teach in the evenings. So a lot of them, like I literally moved my teaching around because I am a Max Porter stan and I love Sarah Baum and I had to go to the Tuesday night Mm. talk with the two of them. And it was worth the the hassle of rescheduling. It really, really was. I mean, the main thing that I got from that because I couldn't go, I was teaching. The main thing we got from that was into our groom reader group chat Nikki just sends a photo of Max Porter's like little miniature house in the background yeah he was like oh my god he he was first of all handsome Sarah Baum 
goddess they're both so good looking like it's not fair and he was sitting um she was sitting in a room and there's loads of artwork behind her and I, I was like staring and they're like I couldn't tell where they little tiny photos or what they were and then I started looking at Max Porter's background and there was a miniature dollhouse and I was like I'm fucking living <laughs> like this is I'm moving in <laughs> it was so good they they talked uh it was a conversation on craft with the two of them so it wasn't an interview it was the two of them talking and it was really cute because they were both hyping each other up um max porter has a has a history in he he, he has a degree in uh, art history and he was talking about his newest book um the death of francis bacon and oh my god one of the people in the in the chat asked a question we're like yeah I couldn't make sense of this book and he was like oh well like if you know who Francis Bacon is you'll know why I wrote it like that and it was tense but it was it was great dragon max you're dead right (laughs) (laughs) then Sarah Sarah um I've read her book a line by walking and Uh, Max was talking about another book of hers that I've since ordered um, because he said it was like his fave of hers and I love her already but they were talking about craft and um, they're my favorite thing that I took away from it was they were kind of like they started off on like what's what does craft actually mean to you Mm. and he said that craft is the doing of the thing so the making of the thing but then the thing that you actually treasure afterwards is in the making so I was like deep shit man it's great I love the way I'm like not I don't think I have license to talk to these intelligent people (laughs) I did ask a question but they didn't answer oh Max Porter I asked missing your um, opportunity to become to come on to the Grim Reader podcast like I know I asked him I asked the two of them I was like oh like when it comes to being inspired by other writers are there any songwriters that come to mind and then Sarah was like oh we've gotten a fabulous question about music and I was like oh it's my question and then there was a different one and I was like fuck's sake (laughs) (laughs) oh passed over no I went to um the Marion Keys of um, it all oh my god oh she's being interviewed by uh Ray Darcy and I don't know why in my head that I had mixed Ray Darcy up with Ryan Tuberty <laughs> I got such a shock when I was like Becca, I, that's I don't a know why bad that... mix up don't do Ray Darcy dirty like that I was I don't know what happened I don't know what happened I just in my head I I don't know why I read Ryan Tuberty and not Ray Darcy and I got such that a shock when he popped bizarre. up on the screen. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but anyway, um, hello, welcome to the tired world of teacher life. Um, and oh, she was just fabulous. Um, it's it's up to watch. I think I'd probably rewatch it because like, oh, she is just a gem. Her and her um, shoes. She has an obsession with shoes, which I did not know about. And like, she says that like, you know, you can go up and down in dress sizes. She's like, shoes will always be there for you. And I was like, she's dead yes. right. Oh, <laughs> um, that's she, oh, our she woman. Was, she was just fab. But I do agree with like, you know, you're like, I'm not smart enough to be in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, there was times when I was like, whoa, this shit's getting deep. And I'm here like sitting, like waiting for them to say something funny. So I could be like, ha yeah it's always <laughs> brilliant well no Mary like Marion is really funny but like it was just interesting to see like how she like views things or like 
the inspiration behind something and Mm. uh, she did give us details of the book that she's currently writing it actually goes back to something that we've actually a book we've covered um on the podcast chloe did um rachel's holiday yeah remember my my one that was going to be a trip to croatia oh my god yeah with the and she thought she was in a different country she thought she 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 was in greece Greece. yeah (laughs) um so it's she's writing um like an update on that like a sequel pretty much oh, um of oh. Rachel and she's like 47 now and things like that oh, I was like, cute. oh come on great Lovely. so yeah it's just oh and like she couldn't really give much more details but like yeah she was just fab and like just the conversations there was a bit of like awkwardness I think when um he talked about her writing male characters and she was like saying that she doesn't really view male brings very differently from female brings do you know they have their stream of consciousness yes they might have different a different focus on things and like they kind of disagreed on that and I kind of got a little bit awkward and I was like really oh the drama because she was like he was he was arguing that we are very different it's like yeah we're different but like at the core we're, we're pretty much the same and I was like, oh, it, oh, it was just, I, I was like, I'm feeling Weird. a bit, feeling a bit I, I would think we're, I would think we're all the same. I think yeah. all that changes us is our, the way the world treats us is what kind of melts us. So there are going to be differences because men and women are treated differently. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, yeah. I think a brain's a brain. It, it was, it was just a little bit awkward a little bit tense like mm. but yeah if if I I am gonna rewatch quite a few of them I couldn't make it to the Patrick Frain and Sophie White discussion. I know same and um but I I did book in for it and things like that but I am gonna watch the um YouTube uh video of it um a lot of them are up there if you want to go have a look check them out there are some amazing discussions and things like that and some just fab authors and writers just Oh, We're blessed. What a festival. We have so many in Ireland. Yeah. There's amazing authors in Ireland. Actually, my author for today is also Irish. Come on. Um, will we get into books? Let's do it. So I am up first today. And notice how we're actually getting to the books faster nowadays, lads. I know, like, I know we're getting on top of the shit. We're actually also learning. we're living in lockdown and we have no news. <laughs> Yes. Um, so um, let me. So if you're this. listening for the first time, Rebecca is going to send me a photo of her book um, so that I can judge the cover and try and guess what the book is about. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, you really didn't give me much to go on here. You're welcome. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm looking Payback's at literally, <laughs> it's literally a picture of like, okay, wait, now, I'm going to go slowly. There's so a lot this... to go off on this picture. Like, not really. Um, I'm looking at The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelitz. So it's um, Michael Ades. Michael Ades. That's such a good name. Isn't it? Alex Michael Ades. Um, and there's a there's a um, review at the very top of the book saying The Perfect Thriller by AJ Finn. Now, oh, I see. I was literally, I was looking at this and it was like, a white like cloth with a tear in it and then like cloth on the side with loads of staples and that was all I could see but there's actually a woman's face like in yeah the I was wondering I was like there is something to go off on this cover like girl there's a woman like, there I'm looking at torn fabric <laughs> okay 
Interesting. Now, the woman's face is like really, really opaque and very like transparent on the cloth. But there's a little section where it's torn right at her mouth and it looks like she's actually standing behind it because you you can actually see like hair and you can see like just the outline of a lip. So the Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. 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 By Alex Michaelides. I um I I'm immediately like it, it would have given me thriller vibes, not the Michael Jackson, mm. thriller vibes, um, <laughs> because of the title anyway. But now that I know it's a thriller and it's the perfect thriller by AJ Finn, then I know exactly what this book is about. Oh wow. Because okay. I'm that good. I know She's exactly read the blurb, what it, people. I, She's read the blurb. <laughs> <laughs> I think this book is about um, a woman who is a patient on a ward. Who would have guessed she was a patient? Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed that she's silent? Because this woman was born. Where are um, you getting this information, Nikki? I, I, know, I don't I'm know. I'm really reading between the lines here. <laughs> but um, I think she is a woman who is a patient on a ward and is uh, was born mute. Uh, at least they think she was born mute. And she is, it's kind of one of those really um, kind of, they're almost prehistoric now, like the 1800s, 1900s asylums, mm. uh, because, you know, the conditions in there aren't meant to be anywhere livable. There's really, really sad stories to come out, quite a lot of um, asylums worldwide and even in Ireland. And I think this woman was on the ward for many years and kind of turned up when she was about 18, 19 and left when the when the ward and the asylum was closed um, 40 years later. So she would have been in her late 50s. And the asylum is um, like when, when they were going to close the asylum or when they got the order to shut it down, there were a lot of arrests going to be made because of the really brutal conditions that people were in and I think the people in the asylum did like a Jonestown kind of a thing and they killed their patients with poison oh. right as the right as the officers were going in to save everyone <laughs> I know <laughs> shit's hitting the fan quick <sighs> and I think one of the last survivors left was our girl the silent patient and I think her name they don't know her name Okay, she's a Jane Doe. Yeah, she's a Jane Doe. And she's a girl A by Abigail Dean. <laughs> um, They're all interconnected. The every mermaid cult, single one. The, the mermaid, mermaid cult. cult is going to be coming in soon, lads. Yeah, East Kavanaugh is coming back. I'm building, I'm not building a book. I'm building a universe, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, I think, I think this book is following the life of... Um, a detective and she's a woman on the team and she's like one of the first women it's kind of set in the late 1900s she's one of the first women to be on um, a police force and on an investigative team and she is um, helping out on this investigation and she eventually becomes um, assigned to um, trying to find information from this silent patient um, because they seem to connect for some reason there's 
like this this poor girl um who's now in her late 50s who's lived through this horror just really really trusts her and feels safe around her and starts to open up and communicate with what's happened and I think that's what the book well I know it's not what the book's about because Rebecca is making a face that tells me it isn't but I think it could be what the book's about um I think this girl maybe communicates through um like obviously through writing but since she's been in the uh asylum for so long I'd say that's actually a skill that kind of fails her and I think it's one she's not great at and I think more than often she communicates through um touch so she can kind of you know like she'll nod and she'll hold her hand and the police officer is more or less building the scene around her with all of the clues before her she's kind of able to ask like is this what happened and the girl is only able to guide her really 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 briefly and it's um I think it's a book about true empathy and understanding people and helping people and I think that's how it unravels yeah I think it'd be a good book it would be a good book it would be a very Mm. good book um one that I'd be interested in actually um Mm. so you can go off and write that now for us you can you can tell me well done first I need my praise (laughs) (laughs) yes well done if you didn't know that like you know I would willingly read that book do you know that that's praise um so interesting actually some of your points yes kind of match up a little bit is um, she a patient who is silent she is yes yeah. there you that. go uh, i mean the 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 title is there to, to give us that <laughs> but um so this book uh the silent patient was published in 2019 and it's one that has a lot of hype around it and um i kind of saw it on goodreads um like most read this week for ages and like it's like oh, i must read that at some point and I eventually did. So this book is about Alicia Berenson. Now her name, the whole way through it, I was reading as Alicia. And then I watched um, Alex Michaelides doing like a little talk in a bookstore and he pronounced it as Alicia. And I was like, huh. Oh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say, I think it's probably happened to us all that, you know, you see a character's name and you're like, Hmm, okay, I'm gonna go with this. And then my we find f- out much later. That's mm. not how you pronounce it. My first reading blunder mm. was when I was a child. I my mom used to call me a gaul when I was acting up, as anyone from North Cork knows. Mm. If you're a gaul, you're a gaul. And um <laughs> I used to think it was ghosts and gowls. I'd never heard the word ghoul in my life. I was like, oh, you know, it could be a gaul now that's running around the place. And I'd mean a ghost. <laughs> oh, go on, Marlene. Um, but so I'm gonna, I'm I'm probably gonna call her Alicia. I'm so sorry to Alex, Michael Ladies. Just it's in my head now and it's gonna slip out anyway. So Alicia. Uh, Alicia Alicia Berenson murdered her husband one night brutally (gasps) murdered her husband and um, as once she's arrested she um, refuses to speak she's gone completely mute and um, you know this completely throws everybody uh, according to everyone that knew them she had a perfect life it seemed from the outside Uh, she had a very loving husband 
she had an art career. She's a painter and that was taking off. She was kind of coming up to this big exhibition. Weird. I was going to say you're one painted. I don't know why I got a painting vibe. I was like, she communicates through paintings. Well, I think it is. I think it's, it is canvas on the front. Is that you know? it? That's yeah, what it is. It's canvas. I so, couldn't really figure it out. And I was um, like, I know what this is. It is canvas. It's canvas. And, um, you know, just seemingly perfect life. So her refusal to talk anyway, obviously brings massive media attention. Of course it would, do you know, and it brings her to a very big level of notoriety. Mm. Um. And when she's kind of on bail, she she's on house arrest um, before her trial. She paints her last ever work, um, which is a self-portrait of herself. And it's actually, I think, kind of captured on the frontier of her nude, I think. But um, her head is turned almost as if someone's caught her attention and her, her face is completely blank. And mm. um, I think her mouth is slightly open, which I think is kind of this but she titles the work Alcestis um sorry knew I was going to have difficulty saying that which <laughs> we'll come back later too so then oh, years later yeah, I'm gonna tell you in a few minutes oh, god patience <laughs> um so years later she's I think it's six or seven years later she still hasn't spoken um but she's kind of you know media has moved on yes she's still in the people's minds you know oh this very dangerous woman just lost it and shot her husband five times in the face um we meet a psychotherapist named Theo and he is fascinated I would say more than fascinated he's obsessed with Alicia Aww. and he believes he is the person who will cure her and get her talking so he sees that a job is coming up in the psych psychiatric facility that she's been kept in. Um, and he applies for the job, he gets it. And he is absolutely determined to be her savior, which, ooh, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of yikes. yikes. So there's a lot of twists and turns with this book. You know, I mean, obviously you're there kind of going like, it is, you're, you are told at the very beginning like this, her this murder was completely out of the blue like no one could have seen it coming no one knows what happened what inspired it um they 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 do talk about you know she had previous um mental health issues that were never properly treated and you know was that uh, you know something that inspired it as well so it's it's all told from Theo's point of view but before each kind of there's four sections I think before each section we get um a chapter or two or sorry um a diary entry from Alicia which is kind of a little viewpoint into her mind because you know we don't know what she's thinking she doesn't speak do you know mm. um so it's a lot of kind of um it's fascinating in that sense that like anything we do find out about her is from Theo which I don't quite like because it's that kind of male looking in on her life and you know he kind of might disregard quite a lot and mm -hmm. you know he he kind of goes in there like all guns blazing you know he goes and he talks to a lot of her family members and you're like this is probably really horrific for them you it know probably also isn't very like what's the word ethical no it's not um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when I say I don't like Theo um as a character at all I think while reading it I was like 
the professional conduct, like if you had a professional conduct review, man, you would not pass. Like the that professionalism is, of it all. It really is. Like he would get a fat zero on that. Um, <laughs> he has no boundaries. Like he crosses them all the time. Um, like even procedures that are there in the facility, um, you know, to protect him as well as to protect Alicia. Like he completely dismisses those. Um, and it's all because he kind of has that savior mentality that like, oh, I'm going to cure her. Um, which I think a lot of the therapists had before he joined the staff. So it's it's very interesting. I mean, I would say maybe a slight trigger warning that this does place take place on a psychiatric ward. And, you know, you do see Alicia and she is completely heavily medicated, very heavily medicated at the start. Um, and that is difficult to see, you know, and the way that's described, um, very tough, very, very tough. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very heavy in its kind of psychology and therapy analogies. You know, there's a lot of kind of talk about counter transference and, you know, how the the therapist is supposed to feel the the patient's emotions as they're doing therapy. Um, while I was kind of researching it, a lot of people kind of say, um, view it more as a kind of character study with like a very heavy psychology focus rather mm-hmm. than like a pure psychology psychological thriller, which in a sense, yes, because it's very different in that sense of like the murder happens at the start and you're there kind of he's trying to piece it together. I will mm-hmm. say, you know, there are bits that you're like, oh, damn, didn't see that coming or whatever. But it's, it is interesting. Like it is trying to put together Alicia and like what her mental state was like, what inspired this, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it is interesting, but like, I, f- I think it's that it's nothing is verbal from her. It's all kind of maybe, um, her physical descriptions that is just really fascinating that you kind of get a Mm. clear sense of how she's feeling right there in that moment which I think is really really well done um really clever and very hard storytelling yeah it it is and like it really shows how complex Alicia is as a character and I don't think we get enough of that from Theo's kind of investigating do you know I really don't think he kind of gathers that kind of sense of Alicia really that well it's it Mm. is in that sense it's it is kind of his own selfish reasons and you know what he wants to find out about her so it's that I I just didn't like him I didn't like him Mm. at all and yeah it it is it's his own kind of glorifying mission you know he wants his name and all that um I knew that Oh, God, complex almost that I just hate. Um, but this going back to Alcestis. Oh, my God. Alcestis. Ah. There we go. You know, I practiced actually saying that before oh, we no. recorded. And uh, it's going bad. Uh, it it's is. not going well. Nope. It's failing. Um, it's failing. Um, is a... Uh, Greek tragedy uh, written by Euripides. Um, so, thank you. Ah, <laughs> one of my one of my words came out well. <laughs> so, um, in this tragedy, um, there is a husband and wife, um, Admetus and Alcestis. So, Admetus is doomed to kind of die young, 
and the fates tell him that or tell somebody in his life I think it's him anyway um that if he can convince someone to take his place he can live so he goes around and he asks his parents they say no friends all that and anyway on the day of judgment I think his wife says he should take his place and dies for him oh and this God. is El Celstis. so anyway she she dies she goes to the underworld and um another I think it's a Greek god um I wondered was it Hercules but they say um Heracles which when I looked it up is Hercules but it's apparently the original Greek spelling so okay I researched this people don't come for me because <laughs> I'm saying like, not Becky has done the I'm, most I'm like I was I was reading it it was actually quite fascinating but I was like Mm. but anyway um so he goes down he's a, he has admired Admetus for some reason I was like where are you admiring this because boy just sacrificed his wife for himself like selfish you're supposed to love her more than yourself and uh, anyway he goes down to the underworld and brings her back but when she comes back she refuses to speak and is mute and it kind of ends with her walking into the house with Admetus which brings a really interesting element into the into the mm. book when you think that the painting is called El Celstis and Alicia has refused to speak for so many years. So yeah, really, really interesting. And like, I love a good bit of like Greek mythology or Greek tragedies mm. coming in I there. I love when like, something's oh. kind of written in the stairs in a way. Yeah, I was like, oh love. damn. Um, I will say there is kind of this big twist. That's that's the thing that's kind of lauded about this book. There's a massive twist at the end. And if you haven't read thrillers, I think it would come as a surprise. But I went through a very long phase in my life. Uh, I am still a very big like crime mystery fan, especially like TV programs. And like my parents give out to me the whole time that they can't watch certain programs with me because they're like, you just know everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you're just, just guessing. <laughs> Do you know? I'll be like, yeah, I think it's him. And like it turns out to be him. I'm like, see, told you. <laughs> did you guess, um, interest, did you guess the twist in the Thursday Murder Club? No. If if you have read a lot of thrillers and things like that, it probably won't come as a big a surprise. I mean, mm-hmm. in a genre that, you know, it's, there's a lot of writers there. There's lots of books. It, it's, it's, in a sense, it's a little bit predictable for you, but it is, it's enjoyable, I would say. Um, like the writing is very kind of clean, uh, very clinical. I mean, some of his analogies are bad. <laughs> um, he writes like, I'm as cold as a fridge. Like, I'm like, ah, no, get more inventive. (laughs) Could we not come up with something better? You know, I mean, I read it very quickly. Like, it is a good read. Like, there's a lot that I wanted, a lot more that I wanted from it. And I would say some of the other characters (laughs) not well written. Oh, oh no. there's this like stereotypical like American divorcee that lives right beside Alicia and her husband Gabriel and like oh she's like this stereotypical like Barbie like drinks a lot like just oh you know mm-hmm. um not lots of money to burn um she thinks she's best friends with Alicia but she's not like, oh god oh, it, it was just really stereotypical and you know 
yeah it, like some of the side characters not great but like I think I was so intrigued by Alicia I just kept reading to find out like was I going to get into like the deeper character of her mm-hmm. and I didn't really and I was a bit disappointed but it is if you're looking for a good thriller it is good um it was the it sounds great yeah it was the biggest selling debut um Whoa. in 2019 yeah and it brought Bought, oh sorry it won the goodreads thriller of the year i think in 2019 as well um so yeah a little bit about alex michaelides uh he was born and raised in cyprus oh. um yeah so he has an ma in english literature from trinity college cambridge and an ma in screenwriting from the american film institute in la oh. so he has actually written um I didn't take down the names he has written, screenwriter for a few films. Um, but this was his debut novel and it became the biggest selling debut in 2019, as I mentioned. I think he did um, work in a psychiatric facility for two years. So he does have kind of knowledge of the procedures there, you know, things like mm. that, which it was very interesting to hear the safety precautions they take. Um, but the book, the uh, screen rights for it have been bought by Brad Pitt's um, production company. So it's going to be turned oh. into a movie or a TV show. I couldn't quite find out. But yeah, so I think I'd give it maybe a five out of ten. Like it's good. Oh, OK, five that's or six. a bit lower. I think I was just so I just I'd say like for some people it is like it is like very highly rated. Mm. I just. Oh, I just wanted more of Alicia. I was like, come on. Oh, I know. Give it to me. It kind of, it does kind of sound like the Hollywood style book. Oh yeah. Like yeah. with the, with the um like character descriptions and all that, you have to kind of wonder, was he thinking that this was going to be bought up to be, you know, mm-hmm. mm, Must have. a little bit, but yeah, it I is, just... it is a good book. Um, If you're looking for a thriller, um, you know, I've read ones that I have, sat on the edge of my seat a lot more for but you know haven't done a thriller in a while I know I love I love a good thriller like the last one I read was the people like her or um that the last thing to burn and I love oh, yeah. the two of those books I do want to so read um, the two of them especially the last thing to burn yeah it's very that. very very good okay. um, I'm going to send you my book great so I've scribbled out the reviews. They don't give away much, but they're just very long. And um, I'll read them out to you later. Okay. Um, I, you know, our scribble jobs are just I'm immaculate. Eventually, I think we will post them on Instagram of like, <laughs> welcome to what our group chat looks like. The scribbles. Um, so this book is The Weight of Love by Hilary Fannin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is actually a very nice cover. Um it's gorgeous it is it is a very nice cover so this is kind of like a photograph style um of a woman lying on the bed but like it's she's just looking at the camera you're only seeing kind of like part of her eye and everything else is kind of out of focus so very kind of yeah I like I like that I like that kind of photo which I never seem to be able to take myself because my photography my photography skills aren't there really no matter <laughs> how hard person, I try the person who like shot this cover is definitely like an elite professional and I'd say he would be offended that we even assumed we could take a shot as good at this true, <laughs> true. 
even to be compared to us non this this is nikki who like always her photos turn out bomb and i'm like yeah girl what is your secret like i'm gonna say that this is set in the 90s 90s ireland and that this young girl is kind of i'd say she's in her 20s and she thinks she's in love like she is completely just head over heels um for this guy like they're childhood sweethearts you know um everyone was like oh you're gonna end up together like you're just perfect um and uh, I'm gonna say you know she she moves to I'm gonna say that like maybe from somewhere rural I'm gonna try and pick somewhere where we don't usually say um gonna say I'm gonna say Monaghan is coming into my head Jesus, <laughs> I think that's I, rural. <laughs> I think I think it's because uh of my one of my former roommates um oh best roommate I ever lived with uh, Nicole was is from Monaghan and, I don't know uh, anyone from Monaghan oh the accent just fab and uh she listens to this podcast so she better message me <laughs> when this episode comes out <laughs> uh, she got a shout out um but I'm gonna say Monaghan and she she follows him to when he gets a job working in a bank in Dublin and she he's kind of like oh you know I'm gonna get to the corporate level like I want to become like really high up um you know he's even thinking of like you know just using the bank to like get contacts and then move on to a different company like he wants to be headhunted in that way and you know make tons of money he's like I want to be a millionaire and you know this is the time when a lot of dodgy deals were going on in Ireland do you know mm. a lot of dodgy, dodgy deals. deals and she kind of tells him like I wouldn't get involved with these people like they seem like they're scamming people do you know like these these do not seem like responsible things to do and like Don't what if it all goes south it's a bit worse than Avon, girl. It's a bit worse than Avon. Don't sell Mary Kay. <laughs> um, it's so an I, I think she's telling him, like, this isn't a world that you should get yourself into. Like, if this goes south, a lot of people are going to lose money and, like, the country could be destroyed. Like, it's it's a lot of that kind of, like, development kind of thing. You know, we saw what happened with the, the crisis and... <laughs> When everything came tumbling down, you know, Celtic Tiger was taken off in the 90s. But good old Bertie. She she's kind of she's lost, you know. I think she so wrapped up in his life that or what he wants to do that she doesn't really think about what she wants. And she she starts feeling like this weight come on her chest whenever they're around each other, and she's like, I don't know if I'm happy. And she has to kind of come to terms with that. And, you know, she's like, he's not the person that he was when we were at home. And Mm. she's like, is this really his true colors coming through? And, you know, there's a lot of him like, oh, I can't come home. You know, I'm working late. And she's like, this is constant that, you know, it, it feels more like I'm living with a stranger like he just it's a bed and breakfast, really. He comes home, he has breakfast, he leaves again and that's it. So she she's getting more and more lost. And I think, you know, she just starts trying to deal with her problems in not great ways. I think she starts drinking a lot and, you know, she's she's passing out on the bed. And I think that's kind of what we see at the start is like on the on the cover is like her kind of just on the bed, like debating life. And she stopped like writing home 
do you know, I'm trying to think like 90s, I was like, emails? Would it have been letters? <laughs> letters? It, would it have been phone calls? Um, phone calls, you know, things like that. She kind of, she's ashamed to admit to her family that she's not, like, I think there was like a big send off for them. Like, you know, they're moving, you know, they're definitely going to, you know, marriage things like that you know her her parents are kind of like you know has he proposed yet like they kind of discouraged her to live with him because they're like oh you know that old mentality you know if if he's living with you already like uh you know he's got everything he doesn't need to marry you and all that kind of stuff good old irish society you know ah oh, gotta gotta launch that uh blame the guilt on us all i know so, the catholic guilt of it all girl catholic guilt of it all but Eventually, I think, um, I think, oh, I'm going to say maybe her, someone, someone close in the family, I'm going to try and pick who it is. I don't think it's the parents, but I think it might be like her aunt or something like that, who's, who goes and like the aunt, you know, never married. And like, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's kind of weird. Like she, she went off and she was living away for a really long time. And then she suddenly comes back and she starts living in the grandparents' house. And everyone's like, just she doesn't talk about things like leave her alone and she comes and visits her and she's like you are not doing well this you need someone to tell you that this is not good and by this point I I think you know in her blackouts she's waking up with a lot of bruises and she's waking up and she's like I don't know how I got these and she's like is this from me stumbling about or is there something else going on and I think the aunt is in the house when your man arrives home and um it's clear like that he stinks of someone else like uh, someone else's perfume like he's got like I'm gonna say like he's 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 clearly been seeing someone else and um he slaps her you know when she asks questions and the aunt is like in the I don't know I, I would say it's a very small apartment and either she hears or sees it and she's like get out you know go stay somewhere else we are like get out and she kicks him out and um she's like right we are gonna go and we're gonna pack up all your stuff um you're gonna come home with me tonight um this is this is over um and you know she brings her back and your one is like like you know debating the whole like giving out the whole right she's saying no it's not that bad I'm fine um it was just once um like and she's just this I think this kind of weight that she's been feeling kind of lifts a little bit and the more the main thing she's worried about is that she's going to be ashamed of going home and that everything that she kind of this dream of her going off with your man like it didn't come true mm-hmm. I think happens for a lot of people do you know and um anyway they get back to the grandparents house and the aunt is like look no one no no talk about this like nothing at all and I think the grandparents are like perfect she's home we're not going to say a word like they're just I'm going to say her grandparents are just amazing I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say like they are just grandparents I'm going to I'm imagining my own grandparents I'm like oh. <laughs> um like if you want them not a secrecy or something like that you're like you do you like you have time to heal from this and if you need someone to talk to I'm here but like no one else needs to know your business do you know because it's one thing about you know Irish families like you don't need to know everything going on in everyone's life do you know mm-hmm. privacy like if they need help absolutely reach out be there but like that thing of like gossiping behind people's backs just riles me up I'm, I'm not a big fan of that at all mm-hmm. but sorry 
rant. This is a long story. Ah, it is. It's good. <laughs> so I'm going to say that like she refuses to speak to the aunt. Like she she's having withdrawal symptoms from you know not have not being able to drink and like she destroys the room like she barricades herself in you know, she tries climbing out the window to escape all this kind of stuff she wants contact with your man and they aunt is like no like I will disconnect the phone I will cut those phone lines like don't make me do it like the the aunt is a badass I'm gonna like mm. I want to be you She's I'm like, gonna be a badass yes she's like I'm protecting you and eventually um like she's not eating and they're like we're gonna have to bring her to the hospital like this is not good um so eventually one day um I think they either I'd say the granny or granddad come up and they're like you need to listen to your aunt's story and she's like no like that bitch is ruining my life and all this and they're like no she's saving you from what she had to live through so the aunt then she she eventually asks her aunt what happened and like you know the aunt has taken all this kind of abuse from her niece for for quite a while I'd say like she's been there like maybe 10 days which you know people are like oh that's not a long time Mm -hmm. it's a long time like you know and Mm -hmm. um she asks her like they asked they told me and she's like okay and they're like why wouldn't they tell me themselves like because I never I'd ask them not to talk to about it to anybody and as my parents they respected that so she tells her that she went through a really similar situation um that when she moved away it was you know a different time I'm gonna say maybe the the 60s in Ireland um maybe early 60s and she said, you know, I moved away to, to live with my, my partner. And, you know, granny and granddad were fine that we weren't getting married, but, you know, big hullabaloo. And, but she said, we went and we moved to London. So she said, I was very far away from family. I got very homesick. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I couldn't get a job. And uh, she said, but he was living the high life and, you know, um, loved the life there you know and she said yeah it was a beautiful city and things like that but she said I just she said I got very depressed and she said my relationship just you know crumbled and she said you know we kind of she said I stayed with him because I had nothing else to, you know I had no money I couldn't get home and she said eventually the relationship turned abusive mm-hmm. and she says you know you you feel like you're indebted to this person And it's, she said, this kind of this weight that was completely on you the whole time. And she said, you know, it's the weight of having to still be with him. So she said, eventually, you know, she said it took her 20 years or something to escape. And she said, you know, I, she said, I wish I'd done more. And it's a kind of a little bit of analysis. Rebecca's giving us therapy right now. <laughs> trigger warning like skip my story if this is getting really hard like you know me um I put it in there for my dark Vanessa the grim <laughs> I would prefer not for you not to be upset and triggered um so you know there's a little bit of her blaming herself and I think you know she said I've had countless you know therapy sessions you know I go more than once a week I go twice a week if I need it and she said that has helped me a lot but she said I'm still not fully there recovered from this and she said you know um, I know exactly what might have started in your relationship and I think in her moment of like being completely honest the niece kind of like oh my god you know she saved me 
and it's mm. it's suddenly kind of like you know she breaks down and I think you know whatever weight was on her is gone and I think this whole kind of my my book is kind of that exploration of kind of the weight of love that you know the dark side of it maybe mm. that we don't see I will say that maybe your man does come and track her down and you know um things like that and you know the aunt tells him to get lost um and I think he only tracks her down because he doesn't want stories about him getting back to his family or his friends Mm -hmm. in Malin do you know he's like oh she's going to ruin my life now my reputation at home like if she tells him that I hit her or that you know I was cheating on her or like all his behavior like whatever shady deals he's gotten himself into and protecting himself and stuff yeah and you know I think you know we can kind of guess what happens to him like he lives the high life yeah he he does he he gets an amazing jobs and like he's involved in all these multi-million deals and mm-hmm. you know and then the the recession hits big crash and um he loses it all and yeah! he has ruined multiple people's lives as well oh he loses it all bitch. he loses it all so uh, but yeah, but, I think it, it kind of ends with her, I think, realizing I need to go to therapy. Um, like she she sees a lot of like red flags. I think we all have we all have those red flags that you're like, oh, that's not good. Um, yep. In her relationship that she ignored because she was told, oh, he's a great lad. Oh, he's just brilliant. Like, oh, you're so lucky. Like he's every girl in the town wants to go out with him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling of like ah, oh, I let everything slip by because of what society was telling me and yeah so I think it's her living her life and going out there so yeah that is Bob. that is my yeah. story my very it, very long story that was very long but very good very like in depth you don't you don't leave the vague I always am like oh yeah <laughs> I think she's magic somehow. And Rebecca's like, she gained her powers from the stone of orb <laughs> she found in the Wicklow Mountains. And you give like every detail. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, no, when you were saying vague, I was like, you weren't vague when you started talking about a mermaid cult girl. <laughs> oh, this is true. That was, the Eskimoa was pretty clear. Um, that, was, that was some episode. <laughs> I was on one. Like I was properly on one. But look, anyway, this book, The Weight of Love, you've hit a lot of parallels because interesting. Um, this is written by Hilary Fannin, by the way, who I'll tell you a bit more about her later. She's an Irish author, though. So this book is set in Ireland and it goes between Cork and Dublin and it goes between 1995 to 2018. So it's 1995. Yeah. No, it's our year, bitch. That's the year we were blessed to this earth. I mean, the earth was blessed with us. <laughs> yes, that's yes. what I meant. Mm. <laughs> so this book is this basically tells the story of Ruth and Robin and um, and their, their love story and how it all came to be. Uh, we find out right in the beginning that uh, Robin adores Ruth and really, really loves her, but she doesn't love him back because she's drawn to Robin's best friend, Joseph. But then the narration moves forward 20 years and Ruth and Robin are married. So we're getting, like this story is going to twist between narratives happening between like 95 up 
kind of through the years up to 2018 and it doesn't go chronologically it's it's zips and zaps between the two and we start getting jigsaw pieces of what's happening in 2018 and how it all came to fruition and how they got there so her first of all Hillary's approach in what snippets she gives you from each time is really clever I, I I was reading it and I was like I don't know how she nailed this it's so complex but it's so good and this book is kind of like how every action of theirs is like giving them a future destiny like everything kind of links up it's like watching Breaking Bad for the first time everything just railroads you can see what's going to come and why it happened and it's very very good so um back in 1995 robin is a teacher in uh in i think I think it's a secondary school um yeah it is Robin's a teacher in a secondary school and Ruth joins the school as an assistant teacher and kind of like an SNA and she's not liked by the other staff members she's a little bit younger they kind of look down on her quite a lot and um rude she there's an incident where she's minding these kids with another much older teacher and they're running around the garden and she says to the other teacher like oh we should get them to stop they're going to hurt themselves and one of the children does hurt himself and all the teachers are like oh my god Ruth is like after getting that child hurt fuck's sake and all this even though it wasn't her fault but she's so isolated and so young that like this older staffer just belittling her all the time so Robin um I by the way I know the names Robin and Ruth when you're hearing them out loud are probably fine when I was reading this my dyslexia was fucking shook I, I was getting them mixed up all the time because I only really knew Robins as a female name in Ireland because I think Robin being a male name is quite American and they, they do touch on that in the book as well they're like who the f- what Irish mammy calls their son Robin and I was like such a lovely name but I'm automatically like I know so many Robins yeah, when, when you said Robin I was like I assumed it was a it was a woman I was yeah. like oh okay and if you said that in America they'd probably assume it was a man because like Robin Williams and there's a lot of Robins in Hollywood but um yeah so anyway Robin um, befriends Ruth and he goes to see her on one of her lunch breaks and she's crying and he like shares a sandwich with her and he kind of realizes he's like I really really like her I I don't know I'm really drawn to her and they kind of immediately get to the deep talk and they just click really really well but the problem is is that Robin has a girlfriend and Ruth is kind of like yeah it's not going any further than that obviously and um he he still loves seeing her and he really really adores her and he's starting to think like I think I want to be with her I don't think I want to be with my girlfriend and he doesn't ever act on it but he does he is very heavily thinking of breaking it off so Robin and Ruth are going to go out to the pub together and Robin's best friend Joseph is painting a mural or mural in the school and they run into him in the schoolyard. And I just say, when you said mural, I was like, are you going to say murinal? <laughs> Cherry. Murinal. Murinal. Cherry. But um, he's painting a mural in the school and um, he's best friends with Robin. And they, he invites him along and it's really lousy. They all go to the pub and Ruth and his best friend Joseph sneak away when Robin goes up to buy them pints, they literally no. It's so mean. So they go back to Joe's apartment and she gets with Joe. 
and she loves him. She's obsessed with him. And we're all of a sudden introduced to Joseph, this character, even though we know as readers that Robin and Ruth end up married. And yeah, so in the present narrative, there has been an incident between the two. They're not talking and um, Robin's mom is very sick and he's going to see his mom and uh, Ruth just isn't answering isn't picking up the phone he's really annoyed at her and then we zap back to 1995 and Ruth and Joseph are with each other and Joseph is a painter and he's like been really heavily devastated by his mother's suicide a year before so he paints pictures of his mother and he lives in a really small cluttered apartment he's very helpless and he doesn't have a lot of money and Ruth is really trying to help him but uh, ultimately Joseph leaves he literally just leaves the apartment in the middle of the night and goes. And um, and this is how Ruth and Robin start kind of reconnecting. Um, I mean, so not a way to leave a relationship. Like, yeah, it's unless, very, very, like, very sad. Like, very bad going on. Do you know? Some like there was do. nothing, there was but. nothing bad, but he was struggling quite okay. a lot and she wasn't able to help him. And he, he's just a very, very wounded character. And you really, really feel for poor Joseph in this book. And you also feel for you feel for all of them at some point in time. But then also you start to dislike them at parts. And they're just very real characters that get up to like they don't make great choices all the time, but they don't feel like evil people because I'm still rooting for them all at the end of the day. I mean, so, it's like anybody like we all make really bad choices at times yeah you know yeah exactly and like the the way this book goes is it jumps back to the present and we find out oh robin's been cheating on ruth so robin the man who loved her and couldn't get with her in the 90s is now cheating on her all these years later i know and um (sighs) his mom is dying and she finds out at the same time his mom is dying and it's this big it's very very sad and it's 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 very heavy and there's so much more like i feel like i've given you loads of info but there's still so much to get from this book there's lovely anecdotes and there's really sad anecdotes and like the memories that they zap between are all really important and very simple but they tell so much for the actions that the character makes in the future so loved this book um I did find that piecing the timeline together sometimes because it does zap so often mm. is it can be a little bit tricky because it also zaps between Ruth narrating and Robin narrating. And ultimately, she doesn't change her style of writing between the two. Mm. The outlook changes, but sometimes it took me a couple of seconds to piece together. Oh, actually, sorry, I'm in Ruth's mind now. Or no, 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 I'm in Robin's mind now. Okay. And then there's another character introduced later. And I was I was finding it a little bit confusing, but I didn't read this novel. Like I had to read it in short bursts over like a week and a half because I was quite busy. And I feel like if you read this in one sitting or in like just dedicated your brain space to this novel, you'd get a lot more out of it than I did. Mm. Um, there's really, really gorgeous lines in this book. Um, she's a really talented writer. And this book was recommended because it kind of came out. So this was her debut novel in 2020. And it came out um, after the kind of normal people craze. 
And oh, again, okay. it's another book by a female Irish author that got compared to Sally Rooney. And I hate that for her because this is totally new territory. Like this is very different. It's a lot more clever than normal people in terms of how she's put it together. But at times I wonder, um, I don't know, I really had an issue with the names. I really was getting confused for a lot of the book between Robin and Ruth yeah and that's my own thing it's I I I can't decide whether I way preferred it to normal people or whether it's a bit even but I I think I way preferred it. I just think it's a lot more new and a lot more inventive and she took a lot more risks um and then so this is her first novel Hilary Fannin she was a writer in association with the Abbey Theatre and she's oh. written the plays Mackerel Sky and Duldrum Bay and she's got like loads of success stories in theatre and she has this critically acclaimed memoir which I'm going to hopefully read in the future called Hopscotch and I've seen it all over Twitter people adore her memoir and uh, she's also an award-winning journalist She's a playwright, journalist, novelist, newspaper columnist, and she lives in Dublin. And The Weight of Love was recently nominated for the Dalkey Literature Awards um, for Novel of the Year. How did you say that? Dalkey? Dalkey. 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 Yeah, you don't say the L. It's Dalkey. Whoops, it was nominated for the Dalkey List Literary Awards for Novel of the Year. Recovery, Rebecca's not going to edit out my mistake. We'll see, we'll see. No, I only, you see, I know that because my parents lived in Dublin for so long. Oh, know. yeah, see, I wouldn't have a clue. Especially dad, like Dalkey. Wouldn't have a clue. But um, Hillary, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was investigating Hillary's Twitter and it's so funny. Her recent, um, her most recent article... <laughs> It's titled Gwyneth's Vibrator Can Help You Find Your Keys in the Dark. <laughs> and then the, the, <laughs> sub, the subtitle, I had turned to the well-moisturized goop guru for thoughts on why we may be losing our mojo. Instantly just going <laughs> to go follow her on the, the Grim Reader. She's amazing. She's so good. And I was going to get quotes from this book and I ended up getting a quote from the article instead because it's so funny. And it's really... It's it's how we're feeling. So um, if you don't know, Gwyneth Paltrow has a company called Goop and it's like really weird, holistic healing and it's all centered around the vagina and she's a vagina scented candle. Like she's very strange. Um, but Hillary's article on her is um, Goop's products and advice may be target- targeted primarily at a strung out Californians in breathable cotton shorts, jogging up and down the beaches of Malibu in search of their lost sex drive. But that's no reason not to take a look at what's on offer. It's decidedly more entertaining than watching the pandemic paint dry on another long, unvaccinated Irish weekend. (laughs) She's iconic. Oh, no, there's another quote. Sorry. There are people out there in Goopland misting their sheets with a cocktail of jasmine, patchouli and ylang-ylang while you're lying in bed with the wheezing cat. oh, oh it's one of my favorite articles it's just showing like the ridiculousness that is california and la versus like <laughs> what we're dealing with in ireland <laughs> oh my god this article is hilarious uh then your gums minty fresh consider immersing yourself in an emotional detox bath 
liberally sprinkled with Himalayan pink salt and chia seed oil to take the edge off these turbulent times. <laughs> and if you don't fancy bathing in the stuff, you can always sprinkle it over your porridge. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, that She's is so funny. Like, and it's hilarious just... because this book is not funny at all. It's so deep. Um, one of the quotes that I did want to pick for from this book is actually it was the quote that made me go wow when I was reading it and I had to stop and I had to write it down and then I realized it's actually on the blurb oh go on so, this is he sat up pushed back the bedclothes held her gaze and felt a bolt a charge that made her want to sink to the floor here it is she thought here is love and fear Oh, divine. This book is, it's really, really, really great. There's a lot of fabulous um, reviews, which I scribbled out on the cover for Becca. There's one by Anne Enright, and it says, this is heartache for grown-ups. The weight of love pulls you in and does not let go. Marion Keys, our girl. I was like, Marion Keys has to be on this. Yeah, has to. She said, beautiful and painful, exquisitely written, shot through with nostalgia on our earlier selves. There's one by Donald Ryan, who, what's his book again? I know you um, have it. I'm, I'm reading it at the moment, uh, Strange Flowers. Yeah, so Donald Ryan, author of Strange Flowers, just said, delicate, powerful, and hypnotic. Roddy Doyle said, an absorbing, cleverly structured, yet very human novel. It's hard to accept that this is Hilary Fannin's first. And Louise O'Neill, author of... Um, Asking for it. Asking for it. The Silence, I think. Is that the... Yeah, the or After one? the Silence. After the Silence, there you yeah. go. She said, an exquisitely written, deeply moving novel about the agonies of love, intimacy, and the harm we inflict upon one another in the name of romance. Ooh. So I'd highly, highly recommend this book. I can't believe it's not getting hype. I don't see this book anywhere online. I think I saw it when I was looking online for books, um, but I will probably borrow it off you at some point yes, to this, read. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, this really, really should. This should be getting a lot more hype. Um, and especially like it's her debut novel. She's mm. fucking on. I think, do you know, you have to think how hard it must be to publicize and promote books at the moment. Like there's no book tours, you know, like what they usually be doing. There's no kind of, you know meet the author events maybe at bookstores yeah, you know exactly. yes they might be able to go on radio talk shows or things like that but like I'd say it is hard I'd say do you know because mm-hmm. even Marion Keys was saying Grown Ups was released in February of last year 2020 and she said a month later do you know we were mm-hmm. in lockdown and she said at least I had that month of pub- publicity for the book she said a lot of authors don't have that and you know yeah. Oh, I'd say that's tough, but I am, I am really, I do think I'm going to put that on my to-read list. Yeah, that I is think you're, really you, good. Becca would really, really enjoy this. I'd give it an eight or nine out of 10. Okay. And I'd only deduct Mark because sometimes like, I, I don't know what it, like, there's something really charming about not having each part titled to who's. Mm say it is but I think when you're picking up this book and kind of reading it on the go maybe we need a little bit more guidance yeah, that, that's an interesting choice because I think I you know we've read many books that are in different people's point of views going through it and it's it would be very confusing if it the name wasn't on top yeah because like she'll start she'll start like each chapter will be in a new time point but it could switch between the two and there's a really there's a really really clever thing she does sometimes where 
we'll have a story about Ruth and Robin will arrive in Ruth's narrative and we'll be like, oh, what's for dinner? He'll say something. And mm. then we'll zap to Robin and we don't realize we're at the start of the same day until he goes, ah. oh, what's for dinner? And she replies and we get the next part of that story. Interesting. It's, I don't know how she wrote it. It's so that, clever. I'd say like putting that together, I'd say it was just incredible there's a lot of talent though because i mean even like i'm going to talk about mary keeskin hi (laughs) we are just we love that woman but she talks about like you know she gave a bit of writing advice but she was like you know she could write a scene she calls them scenes i think um and she said you know she'll she'll look at it she'll put it back into the the framework and said it might not work take it out put something else in and you're like how many unused scenes do you have like I was just yeah oh. do you know but like must, if this must have been how this was done she must have had them do you know that scene in Little Women when Joe has all of the oh the, the paper the yeah that's what floor. I think of yeah that's how she must have done this because it's so it's not just well written it's well mm. put together and she couldn't have written yeah, that in one cons- con- or cohesive thought she must have like put hours into figuring mm. out how she was going to wrap the story yeah, and a I lot, a like lot of the only thing yeah the only thing she doesn't have on her like her CV like for everything she's done is screenwriting and I think mm. fucking hell she'd be unreal yeah. as a screenwriter she's oh it's so visual but the lines are heartbreaking within them like oh mm. she's oh I love her really really I picked this book up on a whim in Vibes and Scribes because they and I picked it up right before the pandemic um, because they do that kind of or actually did I pick it up? I might have picked this up between when the shops opened again in the summer Mm. um, because it sat next to my bed for so long. I kept forgetting about it and I'd reach for another book and I'd reach for this book because this book just didn't have the media hype, but it so deserves it. It's really, 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 really fab. I think though that that's sometimes, you know, you you see a book and you're like, oh, the cover's like really good or whatever. I, you know, I I do look a lot online, like at reviews or things like that. And I'm like, oh, is it a book I'm going to like? Or is this like... You know, because you're like, it's money, do yeah. you know? And um, I've been surprised sometimes. I think, you know, there's books that I've, I have had a lot of hype because I'm looking at my my books behind me. And, you know, sometimes I've read them and I'm like, I didn't enjoy that, mm. you know? And they're kind of going like, it's, hmm. And then, you know, other times you find a gem and you're like, oh my god oh like, yeah no, I'm, I'm reading sorry. one at the moment and I'm I, loving it uh goes to the throat <laughs> ah! <laughs> it, has, it has hype but it's not to the level it deserves okay yeah. not to the level it deserves sorry that's like, how I feel this is my book to my throat face. right now the way to love oh, wow everyone that says needs a lot. to go buy this it's oh that's very a lot. very very good um I am, I'm just I'm very in love with person. her as a writer. I'm very excited to be. I'm finally following her on Twitter and I'm just very excited. I'm going to reread that Gwyneth Paltrow goop article. <gasps> I'm going to read that now after we finish oh, recording. It's like... so funny. I just love how ridiculous she makes. Like, because it does, like, I'm always explaining this to my American friends. I'm like, I wouldn't cope in LA because, like, the fucking notions, like, because we're so we're we're just raised so differently. Oh, like yeah. in Ireland, it's like Jesus, get over yourself. Like, and in America, <laughs> it's like find inner peace, <laughs> become the best you, so capitalism can rip it all out. 
Where in Ireland it's like, Jesus, you should get some decking now in the garden. You oh. should go to work now and you'd be able to afford a nice decking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very true. Just ripping into that Irish Irish yeah. culture there. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I recommend. Yeah, no, I am. I'm going to borrow that book off you at some point. Yes, um, always welcome. I am very interested in that one. So... um yeah, don't I don't know if we've anything to add after after that. You know, our outros. You know, we kind of if get to you, the end. And you're like, ah, oh. I know. But when I have one, if you don't have the money to buy this book right now, just go and read her articles. <laughs> Hillary Fannin, I'm so sorry. Is, I'm hijacking this funny. podcast to fangirl about Hillary Fannin. I I think recently, like Patrick Frain, Hillary Fannin, like I think I've just found like some really funny journalists that I'm like. Oh, they're oh, so good. You are just like, oh, you just crack yeah. me up. Like, I just wow. love, I think we're so blessed in Ireland. Like, to, I, we, I think what it is is like, I never realized how different the Irish viewpoint is until you read an author from another country mm. and then you read an Irish book again and you're like, oh, yeah, I get this one. <laughs> yeah. There's like a different type of connection to it. It's like, there's a real, the, all your core values kind of align a little bit more there's yeah. something well I mean you're so you're, lovely it's it's a lot of like you know um when you read books like sometimes you know it examines a lot of like our deep kind of societal norms yeah you know, that you know sometimes they challenge sometimes it's more like commentary on it or sometimes you know we're told the history of it like I'm thinking a lot you know there's books that I've read in recent times that like dealt a lot with like abuse or you know power dynamics things like that you know um it's just really interesting and it's something I think I talked about earlier on in the podcast that I didn't really read a lot of Irish authors and I kind Mm -hmm. of taken it back now I have been loving Irish authors recently um I I think some of the best book I I don't know I think if if you are struggling with what to read pick up I I don't think I've ever read a bad book by an Irish author. I've been recommending Patrick Frain to literally anyone who walks the earth. I'm like, guys, read this As book. well, um, I didn't know this, but I think the Irish Times do book deals at times yeah, that if you buy the paper, you, you get like the book for a fiver with it. Um, and Patrick Frain was, I think it was still on offer there when I yeah, passed by. Yeah, I saw it last week. Guys, go out and get yourself a bargain. We yeah. all love those good old book bargains. Um, oh, so good. Give give me oh, my gosh. discounts, like save me my money because <laughs> I'm going to be spurging on books. Yes. Um, but yeah, so anyway, sorry, long rant at the end that I will Very long probably rant, edit out. We um, love you, Hillary Fanning. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I can't wait to read that book and I am going to yeah. explore her articles after this because that was that goop just some of those quotes like <laughs> fun e like <laughs> yes take the piss out of goop because like it makes no sense like yeah well, doesn't she have like a vagina scented candle like, yeah no. she does and it's and it ha- it's a fire hazard it's been like <laughs> some of them have been brought back because they explode and it's like all the Irish because they're like Gwyneth Paltrow's v- explosive vagina and then in brackets oh. candle <laughs> yeah like People out there, don't set your vagina on fire like that. Don't. Bad. Okay, um, we will leave you go with that solid advice from solid Becca. Solid advice. Um, don't set your vagina on fire. We love you and we leave you. Uh, go on Twitter, Goodreads and Instagram for more content or yeah. stuff from us. Um, 
uh, go check out we do post book reviews there as well sometimes they're sometimes they're um not books we do on the podcast sometimes exactly um sometimes with that bye bye yeah